Welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Ben Hunter, Booktopia's fiction category manager. And this is a show about books and the people who write them and read them and love them. And today I'm going to speak to Campbell Mattinson. Uh, He's a career writer, but this is his first uh, debut of fiction. uh, And I'm really excited uh, to talk about his first novel, uh, his 2006 biography of the winemaker Maurice O'Shea, The Wine Hunter, won numerous awards. And this debut novel is called We Were Not Men. It's a story of two twin brothers who grow up fast in the wake of a tragedy. Uh, Campbell, thank you for being here. Thank you. It's been a long time coming. A really long time. Uh, I adore this book. I, th- I think this is a really special moment. Um, I've had a few of these um, where a lifetime writer um, makes their first appearance as a novelist and the quality is uh, just out of the world, out of this world and it sets my whole world on fire. My brain is just alight with love for this book. We Were Not Men. I don't want to spoil too much of it but I want to know the whole story of how it came to be because... Your publisher told me that it was a 30-year journey. It was indeed. In fact, I, it's easy for me, me to date when I started because I started the week that I heard that somebody that um, was important to me died. And so I, was, I actually recently Googled to see exactly when that was and it was January 1990. So that is... Before I was born. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that puts it in perspective. Yeah. I mean, it, it puts it in perspective that, it, that I started writing it 10 years before my son was born and he's now in third year uni. Wow. <laughs> so, so, yes, it has been a long time. And, and in terms of the, you know, like a lot of time has obviously passed, but in terms of that, that genesis, that... that um, that person who was important to me who died and I just had a kind of outpouring onto the page as a result of that. Um, I just had this overwhelming feeling, apart from wanting to write, but this overwhelming feeling that, I, that you know, he, died, he had died in tragic circumstances and yes. I'm sure I wasn't the only one, but this feeling that I wanted to do something for him or, you know, you just wanted, wished you could have done something for him and, and I couldn't, but this was my something. Um, and so, and, and he was a twin who died in a, a, an accident on the river. And my book, my story, which is not his story, I didn't try and write his, his story, um, but mine is about twins and a river. So it's it, clearly the launching place was both the emotion of the moment and and kind of an, and just inspired by those basic details. And so that initial burst of writing, that, that spawned the prize-winning short story, is that correct? Yeah, look, it, <laughs> unbelievably, given where, we're, that we are, where we are, but it actually spawned a 160,000-word novel, which was never sent out, um, and it then was distilled to a 3,000-word story, which won a pretty major award, um, and then we tried to build it back up. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a long process. You're never going to let it go. Um, and, and now we have this novel, We Were Not Men, Two Brothers, A River, A Tragedy, uh, and Growing Up Well Too Fast. 
Um, tell me about John and Eden. Yeah, look, I just, um, I guess, you know, the, the tragedy involves the, in, in the novel involves the death of their parents and, and the first time they jump into the creek at the, at the back of the property there to live on, um, I guess they just feel closer to their mother. There's something about jumping into the water that makes them feel closer to their mother. And naturally, as they miss her or as they have this you know, massive hole in their life, they become addicted to jumping into that water and they jump into that water so often that they become really good at swimming mm. <laughs> and and develop ambitions as swimmers. But I, I love the fact that, yes, they do have kind of, you know, straight ahead ambitions, but, but it's driven by this enormous emotion. Yes. And it's a, it's a beautiful story of brotherhood. I have brothers um, and I grew up with all of the angst and anxiety and shame and everything that comes with being a male, particularly a male with brothers. And you distill that in this book. I'm going to use, use your verb distill um, to a T. And I think in that, that competitive world of professional swimming, which they end up, uh, that really comes to the fore, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that there's a, a couple of things at play that, you know, come directly out of me. I was, I was kind of the sensitive, bookish kid who was also a jock. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was kind of both, and, and I also had a brother who, who I constantly needed his approval, and I have a, kind of a, a somewhat difficult relationship with my brother, but I've, I've never, I've all, you know, I grew up just desperate to be as good as him. Mm. yeah me too <laughs> for my brother and um and i feel like you know the narrator in this this you know that 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 um brotherly relationship is that bit more claustrophobic because they're twins but you know one of the twins is is desperate for the other's approval the whole time and it and it's it's only as the reader that you can kind of see that I don't think the, narr the narrator sees it, but yeah. I think that the reader sees that the other twin's desperate for his approval too and the tragedy of, of them and of us and, and people is that we don't, we don't see that the other, other people are trying or the other people are feeling a similar things yeah. to us. Yeah, you, you nailed that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and yeah, it's right to laugh because um, in, in spite of, the horror that comes into this book right from the start, um, which will get the reader to tears. Um, there's, there's a lot of humor here. Um, and there's an incredible character that we need to talk about. And her name is Bobby. Can you tell us about Bobby? <laughs> yes. Well, Bobby, who I, um, I'm, I'm tempted to use the, the phrase love hate because she's the reason the book took 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, 30 years well spent <laughs> just in terms of she makes or breaks the novel it's a story about two boys and their ambitions and their their need to you know fill this hole in their life and it's very heavy um, potentially heavy subject matter and it's not that Bobby who's the grandmother their grandmother who is to look after them it's not like she's sees herself as a laugh a minute she's not the um 
she's not the light relief in her mind, but she does happen to say a lot of things that are funny. <laughs> and yes. she definitely gives the book humour. And I've, I've been really... Um, I, f I felt like it, you know, if you looked through my notes over the last, particularly over the last 10 years, and a lot of my notes just involve me emailing them, emailing myself. Right. <laughs> but um, <laughs> if you look through those notes, I'd say they're 99% Bobby. Wow. Uh, she is just the driver. In fact, it might, it might even be 100. <laughs> she's, she's the absolute driver of everything. And I think that um, as soon as I kind of became aware, like that, that initial outpouring, I had, I had the story, I had the boy characters and that was all great but and then I just went you know this Bobby character this grandmother character needs to be a lot stronger and it just took me a long long time to really get her moving and get her speaking but once she spoke I couldn't shut her up <laughs> and so it's, she's always just saying things and and she still kind of talks to me I still kind of hear things and go um, or I think things and I go oh, I wish I'd put that in because <laughs> that's Bobby talking that's yeah. not me <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and I just think that she makes it, she, she adds more than one layer to the, to the story, but she just makes it richer. Mm. The, the tragedy at the outset of the novel, the death of the parents, um, it's a, it's a cataclysm and it's a, it's a shock. And one thing you capture really well is the silence that puts everyone into there's, there's a lot of sparsity in this book. You know, I, I've, I've had a few people in the office reading it since I've been raving about it, and they've come back to me going, oh, it's really sad, and I was a bit jarred at the start by how, how quiet this novel is. <laughs> um, and I said, yeah, you're right, but that's, that's, what, that's what a shock death is. Um, it is this uh, grave silence that just falls over your life and then you slowly slowly build it into anger and love and all the emotions that come uh and in your case swimming <laughs> uh, yeah. but but tell me about the sparsity tell me about writing uh, a book of vignettes uh and the episodic nature of this novel yeah look i've, I've I'd say that my natural writing style is to write in scenes, even even in non-fiction. Um, that said, this book over the years developed its own style, its its own almost its own writing style to the point where I notice just little things. Just when I'm typing, um, I'd, I'd notice you know I'd spell some when some words out rather than abbreviate them which I would normally do and which I still do I just mm -hmm. don't when I'm writing that book it's it just developed its own kind of pace and its own you know there's 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 pace in a storyline sense but there's also pace obviously in the tension between words or you know is is it breathless is it skittish is other words landing on the page slowly and I, and I became obsessed with that through the writing of this book to the the, and, and the phrase that kept going through me, and I guess there's so many, so many moments in this book that uh, felt to me to be quite ex exquisite. And so that the writing to me became like fly fishing. I was just trying, just repeatedly, just trying to land that perfect word, that perfect thing that's just, that's it. 
Yes. And, and so, and I, and I think that not all writing is fly fishing. Some, some right that you know, fishing's not a bad analogy in terms of you know, some writing is is um, deep sea trawling, <laughs> <laughs> and some is spinning, and you know, and and but this this became a really just landing those moments. Yes, um, and and this this is something I find when I read. Um, journalists who, who dabble in fiction is that they know how to do brevity and they know how to do economy. And when you times that by 30 years of, of, of time and, and effort, yeah, <laughs> you end yeah. up with this. Well, yes and no. You know, look, I, I hope it's a tight novel and that was definitely the intent. That said, as I say, there was an initial... And it almost, it's almost of no consequence, but there was an initial novel that was over 160,000 words. But even if we fast forward to um, 18 months ago, this was a 130,000-word novel and it's now in print as a 100,000-word novel. So mm. 30,000 words taken out largely by, you know, some of which is the editing process, but... The vast bulk of them was me taking them out, so it it was it was quite important to me that it was tight, pure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always my my thing is a kind of raw, honest style, and and you you need to be tight to really nail that. Yeah, you were just signing some books, and we were talking about Raymond Carver. Yeah. I think that's a that's a that's an obvious influence when I think about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he was the master of the quiet moments or the, the master of the things un, left unsaid, mm. but, you know, they're there. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think there's an element of that in this book. I mean, and there's, there's, there's probably a few few scenes in this book where the whole – it's not just an affectation of the writer, the whole scene comes down to one word to the point where people who've read the book come, come and mention that word. Mm. And I think, think that's quite unusual and it wasn't necessarily something I orchestrated or tried to do, it just happened, but it was a nice thing to happen. <laughs> um, the, the, the person you knew who passed on uh, in a tragedy died on a river they were a sports person, but they were not a swimmer. So, no, that's right. Um, and <laughs> you, were, you were saying that you, you actually, it had to be water, but it, uh, <laughs> it, it changed sports a lot. <laughs> I, I found that fascinating because I, having read it, I couldn't imagine it being anything else but swimming. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and you write swimming in a really evocative way that I've not experienced before. I'm not a swimmer myself. Um, but I've, I've read some really evocative uh, and intense um, versions of swimming or, or fictional realisations of swimming. I'm thinking of Barracuda by Chrysis Chalkis. This is something completely different though. Uh, what's your experience of the water and how did you, how did you craft it in the way you have? Yeah, it, it's... Before I get to that that question, it's interesting you mentioned Barracuda because this I don't know when Barracuda came out, but it probably came out ten more than ten years ago, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I've read, you know, most of what Christos has written or, or published, but I've never read Barracuda because I didn't want to be seen to have copied it. So, <laughs> and yet that at the time, because I was trying to write this book 
when that came out, and I was right. like, and oh, you'd no, already stolen nailed, my idea. You, you've sat, you'd sat on the <laughs> idea of, you know, a long time ago. <laughs> right, and you were, you were sitting on the idea of um, adolescent boys trying to get into professional swimming. Yeah, well, look, I really don't know. I, don't, I haven't read that book, so I don't uh, know. But when I saw what, you know, and I saw the cover and I just went, oh, no. Uh, no. <laughs> and, uh, but also I didn't want to read it because I didn't want to be influenced by it or, you know, or, or put off by it. But, yeah, I did try other fields of endeavour. It'd be fair to say when you've got 30 years, you've got time to, <laughs> to explore various avenues <laughs> and in various ways. I just thought that sunlight and water were were just so key to the book and being in the water um, just worked well. And I've, I've always seen books or my, or my more creative writing in colours and, and just and textures and, um, and, 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 as I say, it just, it just never felt as good when it wasn't swimming or it wasn't in the water. Um, and, in fact, it's kind of unrelated, but a few years ago... I really got, I really turned around the writing this book and went, actually, this isn't just some, you know, thing that I'm playing around with every year for the last 25 years. I'm actually going to get this done. And the thing that turned me around was I developed an interest in photography and I, and that just obsesses you with light. And I, I actually think it's an interesting book to read from the perspective of are you, just look at the light in the book. So, yes, there's water, but look at the light. I'm always just, the book is always referring to how, where the light falls. There you go. That's um, that interest in photography. That that was that was uh, one of the things that kind of got you it, over the end. It just it just um, it helped me visualize the scenes. It's a funny thing to say, but once I started seeing where the light fell, I it just made the writing of it easier. You know, the the other thing that happened is that yes, I had all these scenes that I'd been trying to piece together for a long time, I got to the point which was a pretty low emotional point where I thought it was never going to happen and should I give up? And, and I decided to start again. And so I'd been trying for a long time to stitch pieces together and if I can get X to Y, then we're going to get... And, and you know, and... And it's a funny thing given you've taken a long time and you might be perceived as a perfectionist, but you, you, I realised in some ways I'm looking for shortcuts. Right. Which seems like how can you be looking for shortcuts when it's taking you 27 years? But, and, so, and once I had that realisation that, you know what, there's, there's no shortcuts, it needs to be written fresh. Um, and, then, and, and that together with things like photography and various things, and it started to... It started to work. Take the shape that it now yeah. has. What does it feel like to have it as a ink and paper bound book going to market into yeah, well, the hands of readers? <laughs> We're talking at a really interesting time because it's not just, you know, accepted by a publisher, printed, seen it, felt it, all those things. But we're, we're, a, we're a day or two from it actually going live. Mm. And that's a different feeling to what it was perhaps three months ago when I might have first felt the book. Right. I'm on the cusp of people actually reading it. <laughs> so, so the initial celebration has faded away and now yeah. you've got the 
well, have you got the fear? It's just really weird. Because, well, not weird. It's just, and I've been saying that yes, I'm nervous and stuff like that, but it's it's not really nerves. It's it's kind of this. It, as I say, it's a raw, honest book. It's a it's a deliberately vulnerable book, and so and that's great in theory. But then when you go, hang on a minute, <laughs> you know, people people are going to read what is even though it's a it's a, it's an absolutely fictional story. It's intensely personal. Mm. Uh, there's nothing held back. There's no, oh, I can't say that. And so, you know, that, that's an interesting feeling. <laughs> it is a super intimate book. And it's this, the story of, of, of boys coming of age and, and growing up fast um, in the light of a tragedy. But it's also the story of you know, the grandmother, Bobby, who is, um, uh, is also grieving and also has to fill in <laughs> as a, as guardian to these boys these incredible boys um it's it's there's a lot of growing up that goes on in this book did you have to do you think you had to age yourself did you have to did you have to do some growing up yourself <laughs> to to get it to where it is yeah look i, I absolutely did but i think i became a bit interested along the way in this notion that, you know, it's at various times in your life you think to yourself, you know, yeah, I know what I'm doing or, you know, maybe you've just turned 18 and you go, I'm, I, you know, it's, it's official, I'm, I'm an adult now. But, but it's not just at 18, it's all, all various stages of your life. You think, yep, you know, I didn't know then but I know now. And then you get even older and you go, actually, I didn't, I didn't know then either. <laughs> You know, and you make all these important decisions when you don't necessarily know what you're doing. And so, you know, in short, I became really interested in the difference between getting older and growing up, actually growing up. Yeah. It's not just what you, what your age says, and and that kind of becomes you know a really important thing in the book. But I think it was important for me too, you know, that I, in order to write Bobby. There was no shortcut to Bobby. I needed, I needed to be, you know, um, she's on the other side of youth. She says to the boys, you know, at one stage early in the book, look, you know, um, I know that, you know, I just am what I am. And, um, but life's different on the other side of youth. And... And I, I kind of feel like to, to realise the novel fully, I needed to be on the other side of youth too, in my mind, not just whatever the age on the birth certificate says. What are you going to do now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good, it's a good question and, and I'm not entirely sure. But um, in some ways, the, look, I've worked on this book every year for 30 years. Yep. But I haven't worked on it every day or every week for 30 years. Yes. There's been other things I've worked on, some of which have finished and some of which haven't. So there's other there's there's other and, and so yes, there's there's other things in the drawer, but there's also um, other things that I knew I'd get to, I just need to get this finished. So I might not have necessarily worked on them, but I've gone I've always had a sort certain list in my head. I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z, but this is the first, and so I really needed to get this done so that i can then move on <laughs> so yeah there's other things i want to write definitely oh i can't wait to have them i'm gonna ask one last question um 
I've spoken to a lot of authors about um, getting the work done and getting the work out there. And I've, I've often gotten some version of you'll always have to put a book away. We'll have to put a book to bed um, that's, that's not going to come to be. Um, a, a story that does not want to be finished, a story that does not want to be told, that will not work. Um, and that's that's a really hard, grieving, terrible process to go through. And that's where a lot of people stop. You've uh, you've finished this thing um, <laughs> after all these years, and it's incredible. It's one of the best things I've read this year. Um, what advice do you give to the people out there who, like you, are writing or writers, but are not yet authors that they don't have they're not finished and they don't know where the finish line is yeah well obviously it was never about this but now that we are where we are i feel like i'm a i'm kind of a i well i feel like the book itself whilst it's 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 undeniably a book about love it's hope that gets them up in the morning and and i feel like now that the my own personal story in a way is is a story that can provide hope for people mm. because it is it is the archetypal book in the bottom of the drawer that I can't get to work that is that that 99 times out of 100 or, or almost never ends up working and ends up in this position um, and yet it did and so there is hope for us all um, and I and I think what I said earlier is actually the is actually the thing is that it's really, really hard to turn your back on years of work and start afresh, and that was what the that was that was that was the decision that that got us here. I'm so glad we're here, <laughs> Campbell. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you. It's been great. You can buy We Were Not Men from Booktopia.com.au. It's published by Fourth Estate. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia. Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au